The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and strategies to shake up the status quo in human resources and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, and if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. Today's buzz is resilience. I have one thing to say, just the facts, ma'am. You'll find out why in a minute. Women comprise 53% of entry-level workers. Women comprise 53% of entry-level workers, 40% of managers, 35% of directors, 27% of VPs, 24% of senior VPs, 19% of C-suite executives, according to McKinsey. Do you see the downward trend in the numbers? It's still impressive, though. But listen to this. In 2012, just last year, the number of women in top leadership roles in the Fortune 500 stayed the same as in 2011. Hmm, say what? I have four experts on this topic. We're going to hear from them. Let me tell you a little bit about them. They each sent me a quote, very provocative, and we'll find out what they meant in just a moment. First up on our panel today is Jasmine Boatman from DDI. They're becoming regular guests on the show. We're happy to have Jasmine here. She quotes, anonymous. Whoever said this, I think it's brilliant. Never mistake a woman's silence for her ignorance, her calmness for her her acceptance, her kindness for weakness. We're going to find out from Jasmine how that relates to our topic. Also coming back today, a return guest is Jill McGillan from Next Turn, and she's the host of the Ask Jill, host and producer, Ask Jill Workplace Weekly Advice column. She quotes Eleanor Roosevelt, first time we've had Eleanor on the show, so to speak. She says, a woman is like a tea bag. You never know how strong she is until she gets in hot water. I think that has to do with me, too. Catherine Jones, Dr. Catherine Jones from Burson by Deloitte is also back, quoting Mother Teresa. What a stellar panel we have with our quotable guests as well. I know God will not give me anything I can't handle. I just wish... He didn't trust me so much. Good quote, Catherine. We'll talk to you in a minute. And rounding out our panel is Janet Wood from SAP calling from Germany today. Interesting quote in her own words. My priorities are my customers first, the organization second, myself and my team third. Janet says if I do the first two right, my team and I will benefit and be successful. You're probably wondering what our topic is today. I'll tell you. It's women in leadership, resilience through change. Let me repeat that. Women in leadership, resilience through change. Welcome to HR Trends with Game Changers presented by SAP. I'm your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. We're coming to you live. It's Tuesday, November 12, 2013, barreling very quickly toward the end of the year. Where has it gone? Let me introduce you to my panel. Let's hear their voices. Welcome them and then we'll go back and find out 
what their quotes really mean. So first up is Jasmine Boatman. Let me tell you who she is. A senior consultant and IO psychologist at DDI. She focuses on helping organizations create and successfully implement talent strategies such as assessment and leadership development, successful profiling and selection strategies. Before this, Jasmine managed DDI Center for Applied Behavioral Research. She has also authored multiple global research studies such as DDI's largest global leadership forecast study featuring 12,000 leaders around the world. If that's not impressive, DDI's global selection forecast and a study about women as mentors. Does she or doesn't she? Uh, if you're old, as old as I am, you know where that came from. Jasmine is a sought-after speaker at HR and industry conferences. Jasmine Boatman, welcome to the show. How are you today? Thanks, Bonnie. I'm well. Happy to join you. Thank you. And where are you calling from today, Jasmine? Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. How's your weather? What, you same thing here? Well, we had our first uh, night of snow last night, so it's uh, it's a change of seasons. It is. I'm on Long Island, Jasmine. I woke up to what I thought was a mysterious flurry of apple leaves. Uh, you know the uh, apple trees, uh, crab apple, the little white, beautiful little buds that, that yeah. come in the spring. Yeah. I woke up and saw all this white stuff, and I said, either somebody's having a pillow fight, or we've had this, <laughs> this spurt of crab apple blossoms outside. And I stared and rubbed my eyes, and I said, OMG, it's snowing. <laughs> it's beautiful on the inside until you have to take the snow off of your car. I know. Well, it didn't stick here on Long Island. I think there was a rain undercurrent there, so it's just a little wet and gray out. But I sent pictures to everybody. It's snowing. (laughs) It's snowing. So here we go. Not quite excited yet, just amazed and shocked. Thanks for joining me, Jasmine. We have a lot to talk to you about. Jill McGillan is coming back, best known for the weekly work advice column, Ask Jill, and her skills as a presenter, trainer, and consultant to Bay Area and global organizations. Jill founded the San Francisco-based Next Turn in 2001 to share her passion for leadership training and team building. Jill is one of only 15 people in the U.S. certified as a Wiley DISC DISC behavioral style instructor. She created the Calm in Conflict I need that. Resolution e-learning program and an active blogger. She's also a guest lecturer on leadership conflict and influencing at the University of San Francisco and Golden Gate University. Welcome back, Jill McGillan. How are you today? Thank you, Bonnie. Good to be here. You sound great. Where are you calling from? San Francisco. And weather, come on, give me a little report uh, here. High 60s, so we're, st- we're getting sort of the tail end of what we call our summer. That's what happens in the fall here. Okay, good to know. Sounds like we're having a, a mixed blessing of all kinds of seasons crisscrossing across the country. Oh, I like that. Seasons crisscrossing across the country. I'll have to put that down somewhere. Welcome back also to Dr. Catherine Jones, Research Director of HCMTM Technology at Burson by Deloitte. Catherine is a regular featured guest on these shows. We've had her on many times. She focuses on research on the underlying technologies and services that support the management of a global workforce. She's a veteran in enterprise workforce and talent management management applications, and a recognized expert in cloud computing. And her background is she was a research director for eight years at the Aberdeen Group, and she was a director of marketing for NetSuite, as well as a university dean where she was involved in academic administration, research, and teaching before she entered the big, bold, exciting world of high tech. Catherine Jones, welcome back. How are you? Hey, I'm fine, Bonnie. Nice to be here. Good. Glad to have you back. Where are you calling from today? A hotel room in Orlando, Florida, but tonight I get to fly back to San Francisco. Okay, so we need a Florida weather report. What's it doing outside your hotel room? Uh, it's a little cloudy, but I think it's rather steamy. I think steamy is the best word. 
Okay, we'll leave that one alone. Thank you, Catherine. <laughs> Interesting. And rounding out our panel is Janet Wood. First timer on the show, Janet. I have an interesting bio for Janet. Bear with me here. She first checked all the boxes when she entered the workforce. She wanted to work for an established, well-known company. Check, Xerox. She wanted a good salary. Check, she got it. She wanted to start in September after she graduated. Check. But she says what wasn't clear, and this was in the days before the Internet, you couldn't Google a company. She was shy. She was 22. Guess what she ended up doing? Going door to door in the plains of Canada in the winter, wearing a skirt, selling copiers? Okay. Fast forward. Today, Janet is known for her tenacity. We know where she got that from. And her very direct point of view that served her well in a male-dominated field. Janet has more than 20 years' experience in revenue generation. She's now Executive VP Leadership at SAP, developing HR solutions for leaders Welcome, Janet Wood. How are you today? Good morning, Bonnie. I'm great, thank you. Good morning, and you're calling from, tell us. I'm calling from our headquarters in Waldorf, Germany, which is very near Heidelberg. And what's the weather? Gimme, gimme. It's actually, well, unfortunately it's 6 o'clock at night, so it's been dark for a little while, but it was a nice sunny day probably in the 50s. Very crisp, beautiful fall day here in Germany. Wonderful. And my colleague, Anka Rebel at SAP, when I sent her my snow picture this morning, Janet, she sent me one of the, the view from the headquarters at Waldorf, and it was just blue skies and gorgeous. So there you go. We have the worldwide weather forecast here. You know what? I'm going to go back into the quotes you all sent me, and thank you, everyone, for very interesting quotes. Let's pull them apart and see how they apply to our topic, which is Women in Leadership, Resilience Through Change. So let's start with Jasmine Boatman from DDI. This is an anonymous quote. I wish somebody would take credit for it. Maybe you want it, Jasmine. Never mistake a woman's silence for her ignorance, her calmness for her acceptance, her kindness for weakness. Talk to me about how does this relate to resilience through change, i.e., women in leadership. Well, as you know, Bonnie, there's so many different quotes to choose from. But when I thought about what women, about women and resilience and what we need to be resilient even about changing, my mind immediately went to the assumptions that we make about women. Because despite all of the progress around gender equality that we have made, I still think there's a lot of historical precedent and assumptions that a lot of us still make about women today. And I think these assumptions are what we should be resilient about changing. Because, I mean, maybe I'm naive, but I actually don't think that most men are out there consciously putting down women, but I do think that most men and women are out there unconsciously making assumptions about what women can and will do. And I think that that's ultimately what hurts our progress in this area. And feminism, as it was intended, is really about choice and about the individual woman and what success means to her. So we shouldn't be so presumptive. Very, very interesting. There was an old joke, and I say joke in quotes, Jasmine, many, oh, a couple decades ago about uh, if a woman asserts herself, she's seen as pushy or the B word. Mm -hmm. If a man does, he's strong, he's ready for a promotion, he's got a grip on his work, and he's ready for bigger and better things. And the contrast was the same exact behavior applied to either gender would engender, pardon the almost pun there, a different reaction in their colleagues, in their families, in their community. And do you think that's ever going to go away, Jasmine, really? I do. I do. I think it's it's, it's already changed since the 50s, and I do think that it will continue to change if we're resilient about it. 
Good. Uh, there's the resilient word. Good. And we're going to help make some of that awareness of change on the show today. Thank you, Jasmine. Great quote. Jill McGillan, next turn. And it is the next turn for you. You quote Eleanor Roosevelt. This is interesting. A woman is like a tea bag. You never know how strong she is until she gets in hot water. So are we talking, what kind of proverbial hot water are you thinking of when you pick this quote, Jill McGillan? Uh, you could apply it to any kind of hot water as it relates. We're talking about the workforce right now. You could talk about conflict. You could talk about change. Um, in other words, when she has to emerge as, as someone who's strong. And I'm just going to play off what Jasmine said earlier. I mm-hmm. think the, the uh, strength is always there, but sometimes women possess a modesty that they don't show it until they absolutely have to. Okay, when do they have to today? What's your observation, Jill? When, well, I think when? they feel... Go ahead, go ahead. Bonnie, Bonnie. No, I you go gonna, ahead. I was just going to say, I think they feel like they have to when they're called to the front. And um, Janet Wood did a very interesting YouTube that was included in our, uh, you know, in our information. And, and she said at the beginning of it that men are quick to say that their success is built on their own... Um, you know, their own skills, their own, they're confident about saying that, whereas women are more modest. They're sort of reticent to give themselves credit and to come forward unless they absolutely have to. So that's really where I was going with that. I think we're resilient regardless, but sometimes we feel like we we can't show it. We don't have the confidence to show it unless we absolutely need to. So what's the popular advice today, Jill? Is the advice for women to start speaking about themselves, not in a bragging way, but simply to say, I have accomplished this and that, and these are the benefits, these are the measurable advantages and benefits to what I've achieved, so that they are not waving the flag, but standing up for their achievements. Is that good coaching, good counseling today, Jill? I think that's right, and I I don't Mm -hmm. think it, it diminishes them giving credit to the team, which they're quick to do. I think you can balance both, um, whereas men are more likely to, you know, sort of give themselves credit first maybe and, and not give credit to the team. I think you can do both. Okay, good. Thank you very much, Jill. Good insights, and we'll have a lot more to hear from you during the roundtable. Catherine Jones, Dr. Catherine Jones Burson by Deloitte. Good quote from Mother Teresa. Let me read it again. I know God will not give me anything I can't handle. I just wish that he didn't trust me so much. Very interesting. Catherine, why did you pick this for today's show on Resilience Through Change? Although Mother Teresa, obviously, I believe is an icon of women in leadership, Resilience Through Change. But talk to me about the applicability to our discussion today. Well, first, I thought that rather than Resilience Through Change, I see women in leadership as really the ability to change and, and create change because we are resilient. Um, kind of the other way around there. And uh, I love the quotes from, from our other strong women on our panel today. And I have another one from one of my old faves, Janice Joplin, and that is, mm-hmm. don't compromise yourself. You're all you've got. And I think uh, too often I see women who are striving for leadership positions or in leadership positions who, uh, you know, don't fight the battle, who do compromise, and sometimes to their uh, to their deficit, that you know, every so often we have to do a little better job of sticking up for the, for ourselves. Okay. Do you think that sometimes leads into the edge of martyrdom? It's look at me, look what I've done. You know, the old uh, it used to be called Jewish mother guilt. I think a lot of mothers and a lot of different ethnic groups enjoy practicing that with their kids, especially their grown up sons these days. But it, do you think that there's an edge, a fine line, Catherine, between look what I've done and look what I've given up? Uh, 
actually, that never even occurred to me as I thought okay. about it. So I don't see it that way at all. I mean, the women that I work with uh, in general and uh, in academia, um, where there were very, very few women in leadership positions, for example, when I went to the University of Connecticut, I was the only Ph.D. dean in the entire university, which mm-hmm. meant that every time they needed a woman's representation on something like an EEO uh, issue or hiring committees, there was only one. That was and um, that was uh, that was a very odd thing in that in that day and age. People kept saying like, "Oh, I thought you had to have a doctorate to be a dean." I do. Well, aren't you really young to be a dean? Maybe. <laughs> you know. Oh. So there was ooh. all that, uh, all sorts of uh, kinds of thing. And there was a wonderful woman who was um, the first president of the land grant institutions as uh, a woman president, and. I said, uh, well, you know what? I've always wanted to be a college president. And she said, you can't. You're too cute. You're too short. You just oh. you looking up at people and looking cute. Oh. And that was oh. the point I decided, you know what? I can do whatever I want. And I said to her, who was a very tall woman, and I'm a very short woman, I said, you know what? I'll just stand on a box. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's great. So we, we've established that you were too cute. You were too short. You were a woman. Your status in terms of academic achievement was in question. Did you have a PhD? Could you handle it? OMG. Interesting. They had you coming and going, didn't they, Catherine? All the objections to why you couldn't be. Very, very interesting. Uh, one question for you before we bring on Janet. We're going to extend this segment a little so we cover it. Catherine, do you think that, I know our topic is women in leadership, resilience through change. Is the resilience of women changing or the environment in which they're working changing? I know it's, it, it's probably multiple levels of change, but how do you see it? Resilience through women changing or through the, the atmosphere changing, if you will? Well, I think that women have always been resilient. I mean, we think of, of our, our foremothers who came across uh, the prairie in covered wagons. Um, and uh, I think those are pretty darn resilient women facing change every day uh, from all sides. So I think that we are inherently much more flexible than we give ourselves credit for when we look at the environment around us. Now, of course, the environment has changed slightly, but it hasn't changed enough. When we look at hiring habits, uh, um, people tend to hire people like themselves, which means Mm. when we have all these men at the top, they hire people who look like them, which is why we end up uh, with women taking longer to get the promotions that um, they deserve, longer to get access to higher pay. We've got uh, a disparity in wages that increases the more education a woman has compared to her peers. Um, All sorts of things like that. Okay, thank you very much, Catherine. Good insights. Janet Wood, I saved you for last. Let's go to your quote, which is the only one in the lineup today in your own words. My priorities are my customers first, the organization second, myself and my team third. And you conclude, if I do the first two right, meaning your customers first, your organization second, your team and you will benefit and be successful. Talk to me, Janet Wood. Where does this come from? It actually came from early in my career when I worked at IBM, and that was something that IBM believed strongly, and it really resonated with me, and I have effectively used it throughout my career, and I've just found it a very good framework for making decisions, and as we all know, the higher up you go in an organization, the less 
people you have to talk to or to get advice from or a manager who gives you a lot of direction. So it's worked really well for me, and I think that it's helped me establish my brand, which is being a strategic thinker and also doing the right thing for the customers and the company first before me and my team. Thank you, Janet. I, I have to go back to the intro in your interesting bio. I've never had a bio quite like yours on the show. What was it like being 22, shy, dead of winter, door-to-door, Plains of Canada, selling copiers in a skirt? I love the fact that you made a point of saying in a skirt. That would be up to you in these days. So what was that really like? Were you in uh, sticker shock, if you will? Uh, hey, I went to work for a big company, Xerox. It's great. They're paying me. I have a flexible start date. But what? What was that like, Janet? <laughs> It was completely shocking. And when we talk about um, the plains of Canada, I want you to all to think minus 20 or minus 30 degrees. And at that level, it doesn't matter whether you're talking Fahrenheit or centigrade. And you had to wear a skirt. But you know what? It was one of the best experiences I ever had because I was quite shy. And it really forced me to come out of my shell. Because I can tell you, when you walk through the door of a small business and they didn't invite you there, if you aren't able to carry on an articulate, concise conversation... They're certainly not going to help you out. So I had to get my communication skills honed very quickly. I had to get over my shyness and I had to toughen up because you do get rejected nine out of ten times and you just can't take it personally. Certainly builds a thick skin. So resilience through change. Where would you say the resilience? Obviously, you were resilient. What was the change? The change in your expectation of a job with Xerox? The change in going from student where you could protect yourself to thrown into the middle in the skirt in the winter walking door to door? Where where was the change that mattered most to your becoming resilient, Janet Wood? I think it was the fact that I realized I could do it. And if I hadn't taken the job, if I'd known what the job was, I wouldn't have taken the job. But it was the best thing for me because it made me realize I could do something that I never would have thought I could do. And I can tell you my friends and family wouldn't have thought I could do either. So it was that opportunity to really push myself and challenge myself and succeed. So while I didn't love the job, it uh, I did very well at it. And that was shocking to me as well. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. If you had known, you wouldn't have taken the job. I think that's a key. And let's make sure we bring some of that back into the conversation. Guess what, ladies? I've gone to 23 after because I knew this was going to be a great opening segment. We went way past just the quotes. Thanks for sharing a lot of information. I'm talking today to Jasmine Boatman from DDI, Jill McGillan, Ask Jill, we are, and next turn, Dr. Catherine Jones, Burson by Deloitte, and Janet Wood, SAP. I'm still Bonnie D. Graham, and I will be after the break. You're listening to HR Trends with Game Changers presented by SAP. Our topic today applies to everybody, any company, any part of the world. I don't care what your gender is. This is important. If you are a woman or if you're a man working with women, you need to know women in leadership, resilience through change. A lot of meat on the bones there. We'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that app, that dial, that mouse. You know what's coming back? The roundtable. And first, I'm going to ask my guests, what's in your cup today? You don't want to miss that one. Joel, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. With companies like yours competing aggressively for top talent today, HR tactics must be comprehensive and precise. 
Today's reality, your HR department is faced with the demands of a multi-generational and globalized workforce, diversity and inclusion policies, work-life integration challenges, and more. The bottom line, you need to attract and retain the best fit talent to support your strategies and goals, optimize your employee engagement, and become an industry-leading employer of choice. HR Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Enjoying HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to HR Trends with Game Changers. Here we are, and let's find out what my guests are drinking today. Jasmine Boatman from DDI. What's in your cup, or what do you wish you were drinking today, Jasmine? Well, I just got back from a visit to Seattle, so I've been on a bit of a coffee kick, and I opened up this uh, brew at home that I brought back uh, called uh, Stumptown's uh, Brew, and it's actually called Hairbender, which I thought was kind of appropriate for our discussion today. (laughs) (laughs) Hairbender. Hairbender. Oh, my God. Oh, very, very interesting. Thank you. What does it taste like? Uh, it's strong. Catherine, Dr. Catherine Jones, what are you drinking today? Let's go from there. A little bit of the Midwest called caribou coffee. And I'm not quite sure what a caribou is, but I think it's some big, big giant, moose-like animal. Um, but the coffee is <laughs> really tasty. It is. Caribou is, I think it's prized for something. Uh, I don't know what exactly, but, yeah, they've been old. Old-time movies about that. Good, good, good. Let's get Janet Woods. What are you drinking, Janet Wood, today? Well, unfortunately, it's pretty boring because I just got Invisaligns about two months ago, and if you've ever had them, you know that in between meals, all you can drink is water. So I'm drinking water, but on the weekend, I give myself a latte treat, and what I've discovered in Germany is Starbucks doesn't open up until 9 a.m. on Saturdays and Sundays in Heidelberg. So it's been a bit of an adjustment, but that's my coffee treat in the weekend. <laughs> okay, good to know. I have a couple of coffee orders here. Let's see. Diane from DDI says so she's drinking on Twitter. She's drinking a delicious warm cup of apple tea. That sounds interesting. And Tom Flanagan says, per usual, he's starting off his day with Bulletproof Execs Grass Feed Butter an MCT oil-infused bulletproof coffee. I still don't understand what that is, but it makes Tom brilliant, so it's okay. And Malcolm says, Malcolm Kimberlin is in, I think, Yosemite. Happy birthday, Malcolm. He says he's fresh out of Phil's coffee. No, He needs to go shopping after SAP Radio. Good, and happy birthday again to my co-producer, Malcolm Kimberlin, a huge friend of the show. Okay, let's get on to our roundtable here. We're going to push forward. Sorry we lost a couple minutes. Jasmine Boatman, I'm going to start the roundtable with you. Very, very interesting. Let's turn to, we talked about resilience. We talked about women going through change. We talked about attitudes against women's advancement and what women have to put up with, personal stories. 
stories and also from your quotes, I want to turn this in another direction. You told me before the show, Jasmine, we need women and they need us. And let me continue. Despite the lack of women in leadership positions, there is a growing body of evidence showing how a more gender-diversified leadership, including the C-suite, impacts the bottom line. So we need more women in leadership in high places. Talk to me, Jasmine. Is this... is this from DDI Research, and what is this growing body of evidence? Let's start from there, and then I'm going to bring the whole panel in to talk with you about this. Go ahead. Sure. It's research that uh, has been done by a variety of different uh, a variety of uh, different research companies. But DDI, that big research study that you mentioned earlier with 12,000 uh, people, we also looked at those organizations that those 12,000 people worked in and tried to see what percentage of the women uh, in high leadership roles, what percentage of high leadership roles were women. And those that had a higher percentage of women actually showed a bigger impact on the bottom line in terms of bigger profits, um, better business. So there is a correlation that exists there between, and that could you know, be on account of a variety of things. Maybe it's the progressiveness of the company, but there is, a, there is, there is data that you can't deny. Good. Let's talk about that data. Catherine Jones, in your work at Burson by Deloitte, do you have supporting evidence for the same thing? Absolutely. Um, We look at it as what we call diversity and inclusion. Uh, Not only is there a diverse population of all types of diversity, but where exactly are those people being included? And unfortunately, it's a pyramid and with decreasing numbers as we go up to the top there, but the uh, definitely business value is um, increased when there are women on the board, women in the executive offices uh, all over the place. Jill McGillan, in your travels as Ask Jill, the work, weekly work advice column, and also your work in Next Turn, San Francisco-based consulting company, do you find this is true, that there is bottom line value in having women at higher levels in the organization at every size company? Talk to me. Absolutely. I think I'm not surprised at all by those statistics because I think today it's not about survival of the fittest but survival of the flexible. And we've talked already about how women are flexible through change. In fact, I think women's strengths are amplified by change because change involves collaboration, openness, flexibility, empathy. These are all natural strengths that I think are inherent in the way women learn to work with others. And um, to the point of, I think Catherine made some interesting points about resilience. I think women leaders not only improve on resilience, they possess the ability to spring back. That's part of resilience, but reshape the original into something better. And, you know, let's look at, for instance, Hillary Clinton. She lost the presidential campaign, and now she's one of the strongest team players as a secretary of state for uh, the current president. So she took something that looked like a loss and turned it into something that was much better. So that's another definition of resilience. I call it being able to punt, to be able to say, hmm, what have I got? What do I know? What are my strengths? What is exactly. my goal? How can I get there by perhaps a circuitous route, maybe not the one AAA would have printed out for us if we had a, mm-hmm. remember the old trip tickets, everybody? I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. But maybe you need to find a workaround, we call it, a step back. I used to have a friend who told me to lay back and let things happen. I don't think letting things happen is the answer. I think it's finding another way. Uh, Janet Wood, I want to get you in on this. Your thoughts on, on getting women higher up in the organization and the bottom line benefits. What have you observed in your very, I would say, circuitous career path? Janet? <laughs> 
I would I would completely support what uh, the other women on the panel have said, uh, and I've seen many statistics that support it as well. We have done some gender communications and diversity training here at SAP, and one of the things that really struck me from that was this, the brain science, the actual differences in how our brains operate between the genders and how that brings diversity into a business. And one example that always has stuck with me, and I, I use it with my spouse as well, is that women can tend to think farther ahead, think about consequences. That's a general statement, of course. Men are more in the decision now. So when you bring that combination together, you have kind of a, um, a leaning towards action, but you also have women saying, well, okay, let that action, but let's tease that out a little bit. Let's see what is the impact on customer satisfaction six months or a year from now. So that's a much more powerful combination, and those are the ways that I think we see it making a real impact on business. Thank you, Janet. I, I want to go back to something Catherine Jones sent me before the show. I, I think we've alluded to this, but I'd like to underscore it. Uh, Catherine, you said no one said it would be easy. Women are still pioneers in business. Many of us were the firsts, in quotes, in some positions we have held. And this is interesting. This could have been your quote. We just need to make sure we don't show up in covered wagons while others arrive in Teslas. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I'll take the Tesla. I don't know who wants a covered wagon. I'm sure there's one in the back of the movie set. Catherine talked to me. No one said it would be easy. Why do we even have to say that? If you had the degree, okay, you were petite, you were cute, you had the degree, you had the credentials, and you were still told, no, that ceiling is there. It may be glass and you could see your goal, but you're not allowed to go through that glass ceiling. Why is it not easy, Catherine? Where does this come from? Well, I think it's it's a long-standing, deep-seated idea that... Um, you know, we've always heard that expression, keep them pregnant and barefoot. Uh, yeah. A rather vulgar um, rendition of what we think of, what we think of uh, professional women today. But um, it, it, we can't assume that that it's over. You know, there used to be this old saying, you've come a long way, baby, but you've still got a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Well, we have come a long way. Um, our our daughters, our granddaughters will hopefully not face everything that uh, those of us on the phone probably dealt with trudging across the plains of, of Calgary or wherever. Uh, however, there it still is not going to be easy. I, I think we're going to run into uh, gender bias uh, for years to come. And just, um, you know, we can't, we can't be slackers in that. And we've got books out now of like looking at lean in or lean out or lean sideways or whatever. But the most important thing is we've got to make sure that our women of tomorrow, the young women that we're, we hopefully are mentoring or um, uh, will be our predecessors. Is that the right word or is it the followers, I guess, is it, as opposed to pre- precedents? Successors. Successors. There we go. Our successors. There we go. Um, you know, know that um, while a lot of work has been done to get them where they are going, they are still very likely to be facing just a very incipient kind of um, of bias based on their gender. Jill we McGillan, go with that. I, I want to ask Jill to comment. Jill, in the questions you get on your weekly workplace advice column, ask Jill. Do women ask these types of questions? Is, hey, I'm working double time or I'm working twice as hard. I'm getting half the pay. Do I have to be a pioneer? Why is it still not easier for me as a woman? Do people ask you those questions, Jill, or what do you observe? 
Um, well, the Ask Jill column is is converted now into a work advice column. So, it, but the Q and A part of it, which was previous um, before I started doing the work advice column, I did get a lot of um, sort of issues with my boss. Assumes that I can work overtime. I'm mm-hmm. I'm very dependable, and sometimes that's taken advantage of. Those kind of issues would come up, uh, and I don't know if that was gender specific or just. You know, let's face it, the workforce today is much more demanding than it was 10 years ago. Um, when I was in the workforce, although working overtime wasn't unusual, what I notice with my uh, clients now is extra hours are just expected. Uh, accessibility 24-7 is just expected. So I'm not sure that's gender-specific, Bonnie. I think that's just the way okay. the workforce is today. Okay, thank you. And Janet Wood, I want to bring you in. I have a, a note from you here in your notes before the show, Janet, uh, maybe tangentially related to what I just discussed with Jill. You say, build a reputation, advice to women, build a reputation for doing the right thing, in quotes, as hard as that can be sometimes, where maybe that right thing for customer and organization doesn't lead to the most advantageous outcome for you and your organization. Can you break that down for me, please, Janet Wood? Sure, and, and I think, Bonnie, that this is regardless of whether we're talking about uh, which gender that we're talking about, but it really is something, it relates back, of course, to the, the philosophy that we talked about at the beginning of, of mm-hmm. my quote, and it really is just about that. It's about doing the right thing and getting a reputation for doing the right thing. So you're strategic, you're supporting the organization. That's led to a lot of different opportunities for me because of that reputation, but if I can, can I comment for a moment on what Jill said yeah. earlier we, we were talking Please about? Do. I read an article recently in the Harvard Business Review. It was only a few months ago, and, and it had a very, it was all about women, but it had a little kind of uh, insert about second generation gender bias. And it was talking about the fact that we've moved away from being very um, open about biases towards women to they're almost undercover, and I don't mean that intentionally. So it's things like not having enough role models that holds us back or sponsors, um, gendered career paths, which we were talking about, so that, you know, to get ahead you need to have been a sales leader or a CFO or so some of those places where women aren't necessarily there in big percentages, lack of access maybe to the right networks, and then what they called double binds, where if you're really competent, you may not be as likable, or if you're really likable, then you're seen as emotional and not, you know, strong mm-hmm. enough in business. And so I think these are all, these are things that could be holding some women back, but they're sort of the unseen. You know, another is there's an expectation to move ahead. You go on international assignments, and it's often that it's easier for a man to move internationally with his spouse going with him than it is the other way around. So those are some of the things that I think are harder to take on, and they're very real today for many women. Very and, you know, there's Thank another you. point with that, and that is yeah. that when a woman gets a, a juicy assignment, let's say we have a man and a woman and they get the same assignment, the man is more likely to either get a bigger budget or more resources to do that same assignment than a woman is. And Why that's is that, that kind of insidious Why? little, well... That's the bias part. That's it. Well, of course, he, he you know, he can manage, uh, he should have a team, he should have a secretary, he should have a, a bigger budget because he says so. Um, and I don't think it's that women don't ask. Um, they just, you know, sort of soldier through in some cases and do the best they can. But, but that immediately impacts the whole, you know, the outcome. 
Mm-hmm. I can do something faster and better with uh, with that budget yes. and that help, perhaps. And that goes back a little bit to the point I introduced a while ago. I don't know how popular it was, but I talked about women being martyrs. It's like, look what I'm doing with less. Look look at me. We're not supposed to do that. But I want to bring in a talking point here from Jill McGillan, and I want the panel to comment on it, if you would, please. You say, today, it's not about survival of the fittest, but survival of the flexible. And I think that's uh, an undercurrent we're talking about today to my mm-hmm. panel, that we're talking about women being flexible enough to get through it, make do find ways to be resilient in spite of... Anybody want to comment on that? Jill, why don't you start that conversation, please? Well, I think the you know the survival of the fittest comes from Darwin's theory mm-hmm. and the idea that it's the strongest animal that survives. But in fact, in, in that, that whole theory has been debunked in that in, in the animal kingdom, it's animals that are the most flexible in adapting to environmental changes and adapting. And I think the same... Tr- same is true in the workforce. It's people, um, we've heard, had a couple examples on the call today with our, my co-panelists talking about they had a bad situation in, you know, the plains of Canada, which <laughs> looks from the outside like a very challenging situation, and yet the resilience of a woman is to look at that and learn from it and um, be flexible about, okay, this is what I need to deal with and what can I take away from this to make it better? And I think that's kind of an inherent attitude towards work and situations that a lot of women have. Jasmine Boatman, DDI, you want to join this conversation? Yeah, I'd love to. I mean, I think what uh, what resonated to me the most in, in Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In book was just this idea of us as women not cutting our own legs out from underneath mm-hmm. us and raising our hand and leaning into those experiences taking on more multinational assignments. It's, you know, it's a, it's a fact that fewer of us do that. It is a fact that fewer women uh, mentor people. We did a study that asked women why they don't mentor, and a lot of people made some assumptions that it was because of uh, family time commitments that would get in the way. And only one in ten people actually pointed to that being a reason why they don't mentor. So there is, I think with this gender bias, there are things that women can do to flex the muscles that we do have. I mean, we, we have we have some key strengths that play really well in today's business world, like our interpersonal sensitivity makes us better at certain aspects of leadership, like coaching, like leading teams. And those are critical in today's work environment where none of us sit in a box in a corner and work by ourselves. We work with people. So I think part of that is women understanding what muscles we have to flex and making sure we stand up and flex them. Very interesting. Thank you. And, and to your point, you I was just looking at your talking point, cutting the legs off the ladder. Jasmine, allow me to just read something you sent me to uh, underscore what we're discussing. You say, it takes 10 years to prepare a senior leader. Therefore, high potential programs are important. But men make up progressively more of the high potential pool than women do. For executive and C-level, there are typically 50% more men in that pool than women. So you say if this is a feeder pool for senior leadership, the deck is stacked against women. How do we get that deck at least equal? How do we get back to equality in that deck? Jill, any Jill, any comments on that? Any or Catherine and Janet? How do we get back to at least a, a fair shake? Is it happening? Janet Wood? Well, I'd say, Brian, it is Janet. One of the things that we need to do, and it was touched on earlier, is we really do need to support each other uh, as much as we can. And I was at an event one time that Madeline Albright spoke at, an amazing woman, and she ended her talk by saying, there's a special place in hell for women who don't support other women. 
Uh, and so I think that we have a huge power to help each other move up, and we need to take advantage of that. And I think one of the things we've talked about, as the world changes so rapidly, it certainly is in technology, the pace of change is just increasing. The adaptability, the flexibility of women that we've touched on is a key attribute that should help propel us forward to future success. But we also need to be there to support each other, much as men, I think, do very subconsciously. They just, they just do it, and we need to just do it. We need to just I do think it. That's there a you great go. Point. Is that Catherine? Mm-hmm. Catherine, talk to me. Well, you know, I'm so glad to hear that reference to Madeline Albright because I was actually talking to her once, and she had given this dynamite speech, and afterwards opened it up, opened it up for questions. And as we were talking, she said, "Why do you think not one single woman asked me a question?" And I thought about it, and there were probably 20 men just running for the microphone to ask her questions about everything on earth, you know, but not one woman. And I thought, well, what would I have asked Madeline Albright? I have, have I let my gender down by not asking her something? Um, and it was just that one little instance I thought, you know, we've got to be a little more, a little more out there sometimes because she noticed that. Uh, yeah. That it was all men. And I see it kind of like, um, back to our survival of the fittest, something like a chameleon, in that we have the ability and the resilience and the wherewithal to to do a lot of different things. And as soon as we get a, get a woman pigeonholed in one little box, that seems like a, the kiss of death. She is a X, an X. She, is, she does this. That's when it's really, really hard to, to get out because we're, I think we run the risk of being pigeonholed much faster than men do. And when we look at hiring patterns, a woman is hired based on what she did in the past. You could do the job, you've done the job, so here is the same job. A man is tended, tends to be hired on what he can do in the future, whether he has never done it before. So if you look at women being hired into jobs that they had never done, it's a rarer uh, occasion than for a man where you say, oh, well, he's bright, he can do anything. And that's, that's the next level of where we need to get. And I think part get of that is, is what women do. You know, I think the statistic is that men, um, they only have to abide by 50% of the job requirements to apply for a job, whereas women feel like 100% of the requirements they have to meet before they apply. So I think, you know, it's, it's, it's twofold in terms of how organizations look at us and how we look at what we're capable of. Okay, you know Which what, ladies? I totally... Go ahead. I would just want to say we're not taking our final break. So whoever's just talking, finish. <laughs> we're going to go right into the crystal ball because this is just too powerful a conversation for me to even think of stopping. Who was just talking? I'm sorry for interrupting. It was me. It was Janet, Bonnie, and I was just go going ahead, to Janet. concur and say... Based on that last comment, I mean, we go into this with one arm tied, tied behind our back because a lot of times we don't even apply. Never mind, are we going to get the job? We have discounted ourselves out before we even apply, and we certainly see that here. And we're working to try, you know, when you're sponsoring someone, that's one of the jobs, right? Push them towards going for a job they may or may not get, but they won't get it if they don't try. 
Okay, ladies, guess what? Such a good conversation. I've just told Joel, our engineer, no break. We're soldiering on. I don't know what the woman, the female word for soldiering is, but if you're in the Israeli army, you would know what that means. Okay, so you know what? I'm going to ask my guest to just take a breath for 10 seconds while I tell you what we're going to do. We have about seven minutes left till the end of the show. I'm going to ask first Jasmine Boatman, so you're up. Jasmine, quickly go look for the crystal ball. Is it in the trunk? Is it in the back of the dresser? Is it in the attic? Find it. Polish it off. And I'm going to give the same instructions to the other guests while Jasmine prepares herself for the predictions of what she sees coming up in the next five years, if that's your blue skies that far ahead or cloudy skies, Jasmine. And while she's preparing that, Jill McGillan, I want you to do the same thing. Go find the crystal ball, Dr. Catherine Jones and Janet Wood. And we're going to ask each of you about one minute. I think we have to keep it really tight. What do you see ahead for this topic? Our topic of the day is women in leadership, resilience through change. Will we even be having this conversation? Will we be having the conversation about gender inequality and workplace bias and women not being equally represented in the high leadership talent pool, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Great conversation. So, Jasmine, I've given you plenty of time. I know you're ready, whether you like it or not. No pressure. Jasmine Boatman, DDI, what do you see? Can you see five years ahead from you? What are your quick predictions for this topic five years from today. Jasmine? Well, I think five years may be um, a bit presumptuous, but my hope for a near future state is that you're, I think you teed that up is what, I hope we're not even talking about this. I hope that this is uh-huh. a non-issue, that women are making it to the top. Why wouldn't they? You know, and if we're even at a, a point where it's 60-40, 60% men, 40% women, even we'll find that odd. Why isn't it supposed to be 50-50? You know, I recently joined a, a group here in Pittsburgh mentoring uh, younger women, college women, and my hope for these college women is that by the time they get are getting promoted and making their professional choices and having families, that they won't understand what the big deal is by the time that time comes around. The same way a lot of us women today don't understand what it was like to fight for the right to vote. Very, very well put. Thank you very much. Jill McGillan, crystal ball ready? What do you see? Okay, first of all, just a comment. I'd love to see that uh, information that Jasmine brought up at the beginning of women-led companies getting uh, doing better in profit to have more transparency because I think that's a great way to support uh, women getting hired into those high positions. My crystal ball is uh, some facts. Between 1997 and 2013, women-owned businesses increased by 59%. Big percentage. California, one of the states that leads the nation in women-owned businesses. As a woman-owned business, um, I, this was really interesting to me, and I think by 2018, the increase will reach 100%. So you'll have more women running small businesses that will hopefully keep growing. And hopefully we'll have a great success quotient on the end where in four or five years from the time they open the doors, they'll still be in business. They will have increased their impact in whatever business marketplace they're in, and they will be able to consider themselves and have documentation that they are successful. So great to have the startups. We want to see them succeed on the other end. Thank you, Jill McGillan. Dr. Catherine Jones, I can give you exactly one minute, Catherine. What are your predictions? Type, please. Well, I think that if we see a woman president, a woman vice president in this country, that will start um, uh, paving some ways as opposed to constantly seeing women defeated when they try to go for those top goals. Going back to Geraldine Ferraro, who was our first woman on a, on a major ticket years ago, um, I think if we see some successes at high levels, uh, CEOs that are 
dynamite in their industries, whatever those industries are, that's going to make a difference. Okay, thank you very much. And last but not least, Janet Wood from SAP, what do you see five years from today or, Janet? I'm very optimistic. I think, and I'll tell you why, I think the world is changing. The middle class is exploding. Emerging markets like India and China and Brazil are accelerating in terms of their growth. So everything's becoming more diverse. The workforce is becoming more diverse. Our customers are becoming more diverse. But I think the number one thing that's going to change is young people as they come into the workforce and move up. They're fearless, and this is really a non-issue for them. They don't see Mm -hmm. the same issues in gender that we've experienced. And so for that reason, I think as they move in through the workforce, this issue is going to move out. Thank you. Good optimism. I like that. Guess what? I have my predictions all written down. Next Tuesday here on HR Trends with Game Changers. My goodness, is it really going to be the... What day is it next week? It's going to be the 19th already of November. Okay, we're going to talk about leadership leading the millennial generation. What an explosive topic. We've done some shows on Coffee Break with Game Changers on millennials and retailers. Deal with them or die. (laughs) I don't know if we have those kind of do-or-die predictions on millennials in the workforce, but we're going to find out. Tomorrow, Coffee Break with Game Changers. That's Wednesday, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 Eastern, November 13th. The Digital Insurer. Customer Centricity Opportunities Part 2. Is your insurance company going to be able to get it right eventually and care about the customer experience? We can only hope so. And Thursday, Startup Focus with Game Changers, Thursdays, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. We're going to talk about the pros and cons of starting a company, a tech company, outside of Silicon Valley. Going to be an interesting show. Last week we talked about Israel, Startup Nation. Now we're focusing our attention on Silicon Valley. Special thank yous for your resilience. Jasmine Boatman, DDI. Jill McGillan, Next Turn and Ask Jill. Catherine Jones, Burson by Deloitte, and Janet Wood from SAP. Special shout-outs also to Liz Brenner, Tom Flanagan, Malcolm Kimberlin, and Brad. I'm sorry you don't feel well. Wish you well. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Joel, thanks for pinch-hitting, and Randy as well, and the Business Channel team at World Talk Radio. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game-changer today. We need you. Talk to you soon. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Tomorrow right here on Coffee Break with Game Changers. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support... 